G'day guys, we are all on YouTube. I was just saying to Ro that uh, the minute I sound like I'm YouTube-y, we are live. <laughs> but uh, g'day guys, it is The Coach here and we are talking all things Skaven. I am excited to talk about Skaven. It has been a while um, and I thought I'd, I'd try something a little bit different, guys. I'd try a little bit different. We haven't got Dan Brewer on for the first time forever, so I hope uh, people don't like crush the dislike button. But I thought I'd get a little bit of diversity on the show. I have Ro. Ro is from Measured Game. He is very, very good. Uh, one of the most highly sorted players out of the Measured Gaming crew. Uh, they're always talking really loudly but, about him. But uh, he's a Skaven player. He's been playing Skaven for a while now. Uh, recently had some good success at a recent, oh, I keep saying recent, a local um, tournament. You, you, you played in a 50-player event. And I really liked your list. So I thought I'd pick it up and see where Skaven is at in the current meta. It's been probably over 12 months or just under 12 months since I sp spoke Skaven. So how are they good still? How are you adapting to the meta now that we've got Teclas and Seraphon and Zench and Gargans running around? Uh, what's your thinking? What's your rationale? But before that, um, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been playing Age of Sigma since probably the towards the end of um, AOS 1 when it first came out. Um, I just randomly picked up the box and was like, this looks cool, thought I'd paint some models. And um, it just so happened my neighbour um, came around and my son just ran up to ran up to him and said, oh, my dad paints these little models. He's gone, I'm not going to try, but with the thickest Geordie accent you can imagine, has gone, oh, really? So do I. So that's, that's how me and Pete Atkinson got into um, <laughs> AOS at the same time, really. Geordie accent. He is, looks like yeah. he's from Geordie Shore, a bit, a bit dodgy, that Pete in his tracksuit. But you've been playing oh, Skaven for... Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. You wait till the Vic GT, you'll see everyone in tracksuits. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I should get my tracksuit, get my bum bag. I'll go, go Leb style, uh, like me, good Canterbury, Bankstown player, fans might just put bad English. I'm going to move to Skaven. So we are talking Skaven. If you haven't seen this before, we're basically going to talk about the rules, the allegiances, how Roe as a experienced player looks at the rules, because when I pick up Skaven for the first time, it might not be clear on why or what or how I build the list. So before we get into the list discussions, I'm going to hear his take on the allegiance abilities, how he thinks about that in, in list building, things like the terrain piece, like the narholes as well. How do you kind of bring the narholes onto the table? Is it offensive, defensive? What are some of the things that you're thinking about? But, um, and and I can see your crew's already giving you grief. Uh, I don't know why Rose on the show. He doesn't even play them. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the overlord Joel there. So yeah. let's assume that you did play, or let's pretend that you play with Skaven. Um, why? <laughs> why would you play with Skaven? Because you guys keep eating my cheese. You keep, you know, uh, interrupting the Black Pyramid. You're interrupting my Cities of Sigma. Why Skaven? <laughs> Um, so I, I got into Skaven mainly because the the abilities sounded cool and it sounds like such a cool army when you I mean from the outside it sounds like an amazing army. It's like you can you can do so much damage or you can blow yourself up or sometimes it both happens at the same time. Like there is never I guess from the outside looking in and it's true from the inside as well, there is never a boring game with Skaven. Something crazy happens every time. So um, so it's one of those armies where it's like even 
like whether it's a hard game, whether it's a close game, whether you're you're absolutely getting smashed, something fun, funny, enjoyable is going to happen. So that was kind of why I got into it, and it really rings true. It's a really fun army to play. I will say I used to play against a lot of Skaven in the old and Warhammer Fantasy days, and I tell you right now, you used to be a lot more random than you ever yes. were. I think the Doom Wheel would just go all over the place. Like you couldn't control it. It yeah. was the funnest, and it was the stupidest thing in the world. Uh, hashtag make Doom Wheels great again. But I really, I really like Skaven. They, uh, I've got my Horde army. I've got my Gits army. But if I think about the range, I just love the range. They're just quirky. They're unique. I think a few of them need an update in their sculpts. But when you look at this rat swinging on a bell, when you look at these, like, manipulation Hulk-type kind of rat men, uh, and you've got, you know, just giant rat swarms and things like Fanquil, it's just a quirky, fun army. And... You do little things like make your general white like a little rare Alba Albanian rat, and it's just, I don't know, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of fun you can have, not just with the, the rules and the army, but also with the modelling. There's a whole lot of fun you can have, like, you know, just, like, painting them in different ways and, like, modelling them differently or converting them. Like, I've got a, um, a, a 40K tech priest as my arch warlock because, like, Scry just fits so well with 40K. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, because they've got the technology side uh, as well. So, and, and by the way, they are competitive, I think, as the other part is, you know, they are a hobby, a lot, of, a lot of fun, and you can, they go well with contrast. You can, uh, you know, you can probably just do them brown and dry brush them and pick up that fur, and they're probably a quick army, or you can do a lot of detail. Yeah, and then you've got the crazy kit bashes and conversions as well. But I think um, I actually did a video for the preparation for Hedonites and Daughters, and I'd ranked um, Skaven at, like, the C tier. Yep. And I got a lot of grief from Skaven players. And and it's not that I think that Skaven is a lower tier army. I just think they're a very hard army to master. And there's, there's certain builds in the book. I don't think you pick up the most of the book and, and run it really well competitively. I think there's a very nuance to it. And I think that's why you don't see many Skaven players at your tournaments and they're not doing as well. Like, there's a handful of people who do really well. But it's a quite a challenging army, which is why, again, I wanted to chat to you to understand how you're thinking about your army and how you're adapting to the meta. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, it, it is it is a very I, I describe Skaven as a toolbox army. Um, mm. It can do anything and everything. Um, and what you got to do is kind of build towards your style of play, because there's obviously not enough points in two thousand to build literally everything. So you got to kind of tweak it to your way of playing. And if you're someone like my clubmate Thomas Holdsworth, who ran 200 giant rats at CanCon <laughs> a few years ago and took down Archeon uh, when when Slayer of Kings was only rend one, uh, you know he was the internal champion with his little you know slave pit guys. But uh, look, I think I think for me, I would love to understand this army a whole lot more because when I look at Skaven, it has traits of Cities of Sigma, it has traits of Gloom Spike Gits, but it's an earlier book than both of those two, so. Um, the synergies or, the, or, you know, the sub-allegiances probably aren't as clear as, let's say, cities. Like, it's very easy to see Tempest Eye. But when I look at the allegiances, there's a whole bunch of things I'm going to get, and maybe it's probably not clear to people. So yeah. I might read out some of the rules, and I'd love your understanding of, you know, are they important, how you think about them in your list tech, and then we'll kind of bring it over to actually talk about it in your list. Sure. So the first one you've got is lead from the back, and basically look at Sir. 
So if you don't know what Look at Sir is, if you're within range of a unit, uh, if it's, you're like a little small hero, right? You're a little small hero. I think it's under eight wounds. Um, and you put it, you know, near a foot troop, uh, you know, clan rats, for example, uh, and you shoot at it, it would be minus one to hit uh, without any artifacts or command traits. It's just, you know, harder to hit. But you get that rule as well um, when you're in combat, as well as missile fire. So uh, as long as it's a Skaven hero and it's not a monster. And there's a very interesting mechanic with a certain rat on a certain bell. Um, it's, it's not just the rat on the bell. So this, this is where, I mean, Skaven has all these amazing rules. And this is one of my favorites because the two things that I will never probably leave out of a Skaven list for myself is the Screaming Bell and the Plague Furnace. And they are two giant, giant 13 wound, you know, monsters essentially with, um, you know, a five up after save. So they're already tanky. But they, don't have, what the, you, but they don't have the monster keyword. They don't have the monster keyword. I just so wanted to call that out because like yeah. you said they're a monster, but they're actually not a monster. So this big rat on a chariot gets look at Sir. Guess look out, sir, in shooting and combat. And worse than that is if you look at the um like the stat line, especially on the plague furnace, like you put that thing into combat, on a two-up it's doing, you know, say somewhere around seven mortal wounds. And that's just from one of its um melee profiles and it's got four melee profiles. It will do some damage in combat and it's really hard to hit. Mm. So it's it's not just like it's it's great to have it hard to hit and shooting because they are really like centerpieces to the army and they're essential to the army, which you'll you'll see in the lists I've got like they're they're up there, they're very important pieces to my armies. Um and they're just hard to remove. Yeah. yeah. So the lookouts uh, in shooting and in melee, just it just makes them an even worse target, but at the same time until you take them down, it's hard to actually dismantle my army. And, you know, your Skaven heroes don't want to be in combat, other than your Vermin Lords, you know, you don't want your Bombardiers or your um, your Arch Warlocks. Those guys, no, that's the last place they want to be, uh, like I said, other than the Vermin Lords. So getting that minus one to hit in shooting and combat is a nice little ability, especially if you do find yourself in combat. Absolutely. Um, and, in fact, it's going to lead very quickly into the very next ability that we're going to look at because... Um, the next one is Scurry Away, which is the other ability that saves your heroes when they're in combat. And <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah, cool. I, I only repeat it because some people join us on the podcast and just in case oh, yeah. I don't have the battle tome there. But Scurry Away in the combat phase, if you pick a friendly uh, Skaven Tide hero, so Skaven Tide being all of your heroes, um, to fight with, you can say that it scurries away instead of making a pile-in move. If you do so, the hero makes a normal move, so it must retreat. So you just got to move away from combat, which is outside of three inches from an enemy. So, uh, yeah, why why is this important? So, again, I, I mean, at the start of this, I described Skaven as a toolbox army. Um, there are cases where you'll want your guys in combat and actually, you know, you know destroying everything. There are cases where, like, the only reason you got into combat is to run away onto an objective, which I've done so many times. And there are cases where your poor Screaming Bell or Plague Furnace is literally about to get smashed by something very hard hitting. I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, like a Terror Geist or some, you know, Hearth Guard or, you know, something that really punches. And you just go, great, I'm activating and I'm running away. And mm -hmm. then your opponent's sitting there going, but, but I was going to kill it. 
So it's um it's a super powerful thing, and you can use it to reposition yourself. You can use it to, like I said, get onto an objective that you're otherwise never going to get into. So like I've I've had cases where I've charged like uh, an arch warlock. Um, I think it was into a magma drop, and my opponent was like, "What are you doing?" And I've gone, "Oh, you, you'll see." And it's like, right, first activation, arch warlock runs away, scored an objective, yep. scored the points. It's perfect when it's your turn as well because, you know, you're going to get to activate first so you know which one's going to – you're going to like, right, I'm running this into combat, I'm going to position it the best way possible, and then I'm going to retreat even further. Um, so it means, yeah, you're going to seize objectives, you're going to deny opponent points, you know, you do a lot of things and also just annoy them. I think uh, yeah. Dan Brewer does that a lot to me. Like he will just like retreat and I'm like, cool, I'm going to activate and then he'll run away. Uh, so when I'm in combat, I've got to choose very carefully who I attack because I know he's going to retreat as soon as possible. So um, it makes the opponent think a little bit differently because there's not many other armies that, are, that have the same type of mechanics. And there are, and, and I'm, we're going to get into it because there are pages and pages of this. There are so many mechanics. <laughs> and I think maybe that's another, another thing that, uh, you know, you look at this and it's very overwhelming, but once you kind of understand the rules, you're like, right now I need, I know how to make my decisions because it's very much keyword dependent. And I think, again, it reminds me of cities of Sigmar where it's keyword bingo, instead of having, you know, Duarden, human, uh, dark, darkling coven, you know, you have master clan, Eshen, verminous, you know, you've got the, you know, very similar kind of, so finding the, the keyword synergy is very much like bingo. But before we get to those clans, you've got two other rules. You've got the overwhelming mass. So you get plus one to hit when you have melee weapons of a unit with more than 20 models or 20 or more. Uh, and in addition, you know, when you have 30 or more, you also get plus one to wound. So units are 20, plus one to hit uh, in combat, not shooting. And um, uh, when you've got 30 or more, you're getting plus one to wound as well as plus one hit in melee. Yeah. This is this is one of the the surprises that a lot of my opponents experience in a Skaven list because like for example and plague monks are the best example of this everyone looks at the plague monk war scroll and goes they're not that good and then you know I take them in a block of forty um, with this ability on its own and suddenly they're you know hitting on threes instead of fours wounding on threes instead of fours and then there are other buffs which again they're they're down the track and you'll see them in my list. I've had my plague monks um, hitting on twos, wounding on threes, re-rolling wounds, and when you've got that with you know, like forty models doing three attacks each, the volume of damage is just insane. By the way, I've got to call out that uh, I've got to call this comment out, uh, Patrick Nevin, saying where is Dan? He knows he's Skaven. So yeah, thanks, Pat. Uh, good, <laughs> good to see the measured boys are out there. Um, <laughs> so that you know, like you know. On first inspection, you go, oh, so what? Plus one to hit, plus one to wound on clan rats. Like, whoop-de-doo. But yeah. I think people have forgotten how powerful Plague Bunks are. Yes, their War Scroll has changed. Yes, they're not as powerful as they are. But I, I think to write them off is a mistake. Oh, very much so. Um, and the thing is, this this particular overwhelming mass ability actually does it to any kind of big blob unit you've got. So... Clan rats can actually become scary with this. Storm vermin are terrifying with this ability. Um, they're already strong, and when they're you know hitting on twos, winning on twos, it's just yeah, it's horrible with the neg one rend. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've also got your strength in numbers, so your skaven tide when you take battle shock, so you get plus. Normally, we all get plus one 
bravery in the battle shock phase when we have 10 or more models. So for every 10, so 20 gets you plus two, 30 gets you plus three, et cetera, et cetera. But with Skaven Tide, you get plus two instead of the plus one. So if I've got 10, I'm getting plus two to my bravery, 20 plus four, uh, 30 plus six. Um, on top of any other benefits that a banner might bring you or some type of other um, other leadership buff. But that, to me, has always been a very powerful one. I've always found that, uh, again, Dan Dan being my primary Skaven opponent, uh, very rarely has to use his command points on Battleshock because, you know, his leadership is around the 8s and the 10s. Um, and then you add, you know, actually probably more than that, to be honest. Yeah, totally. Um, like, uh, Plague Monk's default bravery is six. So when you got to, like, you know, and obviously when you start losing them, you're down to 30-something, they're on 11. Mm. So it's it's pretty big. Um, they still do suffer from Battleshock pretty badly. And with the current meta, the likes of, you know, Lumineth and Fex shooting, all, all the bravery-based um, shenanigans that are going on at the moment, it's all based on your, like, War Stroll bravery. So, you know, you don't get any of these bonuses until the Battleshock phase. So you suffer quite a bit, like, you know, your block of 40 clan rats are essentially bravery for, for the purposes of Lumineth and um, Fex kind of um, damage and debuffs. So it can really hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, it's, you still, I mean, like, you know, Skaven traditionally doesn't have a lot of Arbor saves, especially when you start mm -hmm. going to get clan rats, plague monks. Um, so you will, you might need to still spend a command point on those guys, depending on how much damage you suffer. Or it might even it might even encourage you to go towards the more multiple kind of small unit route as opposed to big blocks of forty or sixty. Just so again, who cares if a unit of twenty rats die? You know, they're screens. They're annoying the crap out of their opponent. Uh, but either way, getting plus two instead of plus one is a delight, especially when you start running these big blocks. Like Cinderfall gave me in the chat saying that he's got a, uh, a local player who runs one hundred and twenty plague monks still. So for uh, three blocks of forty, so nasty. Oh, yeah. Um, the, what I do find, though, is that Bravery one for me doesn't um, doesn't play huge into my army because basically what I do is the uh, Screaming Bell and the Plague Furnace have a 13-inch Battleshock immunity bubble. So what I'm doing is I'm keeping everything within that bubble and then I'm throwing out damage. So I'll, like, send out a unit of 40 Plague Monks away from that bubble to kill and die. And then the next turn I'll send my next unit out to kill and die and keep everything else within that bubble so that... Battleshock from damage doesn't actually bother me. Yeah, when we talk about Plague Monks, you'll you'll see why they're, they're actually okay to die. You'll do some damage, and then when they I die, it. yeah, it's actually a good thing. Uh, reminds yeah. me of my squigs when they run away. I'm like, lol, you get some mortal yeah. wounds back. Um, yeah. But, yes, the the uh, the, the Screaming Bell, uh, having that 13-inch Battleshock again, you know, even if it's just turn one, again, having a couple of extra CP up your sleeve because you're not spending it on Inspiring Presence. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the other big benefit by being Skaven, other than having a terrain piece and other than having, you know, command traits and spells and artifacts, is the way of the great clans. Now, this might seem confusing to people. When you look at this, because normally it would say, uh, like if I pick my daughter's a Kanut Battle Tome up or my city's a Sigma, it would say choose one of the cities of Sigma that your army comes from, Hallow Heart, Tempest Eye, Grey Water Fastness. But I don't see that here. With Skaven, it's, it just basically gives me a whole bunch of keyword bingo. If I am Master Clan, when I use a command point by a Master Clan model on a 5+, plus, I receive an extra command point. 
when I'm Moldar, I, you know, there's certain things that a Moldy gets, Eshin, Verminous, and then on the next page, it also talks about Scryer and Clan Pestilence. Now, there's a lot of rules, and I'm not, this is not bedtime with Coach here, so I'm not going to read every single rule <laughs> interaction. But when you look at all of these things, is this is this an incentive for you to find a little bit of everything? You know, I need a little bit of Eshin, a little bit of Verminous, a little bit of Moldar. Do you go all in on, let's say, I'm just going to go all in on Verminous, or how do you look at these rules? Like, what what does it all mean? So, from I've I've actually played around this because when I first got the book, I literally did that. I was like, great, how do I get one of each hero in this so I can have every single rule applied to my army? And the the I guess the outcome of it is you only really benefit from let's say the Molder um, the Molder command trait or the allegiance ability when you have a whole lot of Molder models. So for example, if you've got no you know, fighting beasts, then the extra D3 wounds on the one or two that you've taken is just, it's like, well, who cares? Like I've got a, a 14 wound model instead of a 12 wound model and the rest of my army gets nothing. So you kind of don't, from, from my experience, you don't build to the allegiance abilities what you find is that the allegiance abilities support the heroes and units that you've already chosen anyway. So, for example, um, I'm pretty much always take the Screaming Bell, which is Master Clan. So, anytime I do use a command point, I try to use it from the Screaming Bell, um, just so that I can try and roll a five up to get one command trait back. So, if I'm ever, you know, forcing a six inch run, or um, like I said, I I rarely, if ever, use the you know stop Battleshock one because they're always within my my bubbles. Um, but any of the other abilities, like if I want to reroll ones to hit or something, um, I'll try and do it from the bell. Uh, so it's it's almost like it's a it's an added bonus. You don't you don't necessarily pick the um the the master clan for this allegiance ability. There are some exceptions for me and that's um Scryer and Pestilence. Um, if we, I mean, again, like if, if you look at Verminous, it looks cool. Like every Claw Lord you bring gets an extra, you know, artifact. Mm. Uh, sorry, command trait. Yeah, not, not an artifact, it's command no, trait. No, no, they get an extra command trait. Um, but in the end, if you're running a whole bunch of, you know, um, five wound, five up save heroes, then you're probably not really winning. Mm. So, um, so. So in, in most of these cases, I would say they're almost, you know, kind of extra little benefits, but the exceptions being Scryer and Pestilence, which are freaking amazing. Yeah, I would agree. By the way, you know, Lee Taylor in the chat mentioning here, you know, a lot of people struggle with this because it's, I, I see a lot of commonality here with Gloom Spike Gits because under the light of the bad moon, you know, Trogs get this, uh, Gits get this, Spiders get this, Squigs get this, and... Yeah. Uh, you can certainly build, you know, a quote-unquote soup army where I have a little bit of squigs, a little bit of trogs, a little bit of this, but then you do find that the synergies don't quite work as well or you're stretching yourself out to take advantage of the points and you're normally better off going, you know, at least 70% towards one build. And, yeah, you can yeah. still have, you know, some squigs that go with your trogs. Very similar here. You know, you still might go Master Clan and focus on Master Clan, but then bring in a little bit of Scryer, bring a little bit of Verminous in, that try to, again, stick to your allegiance and stick to your focuses. And before we move on to Scryer and to uh, the other page, which was also uh, Pestilence, Pestilence. Um, I'm being harassed. you got to give people a wave. So Scuba wants a wave. <laughs> Hello. 
<laughs> Amazing. All right. So yeah, okay. you've, you've got you've got a whole bunch of things. Are uh, out of these four, you know, they're, they're kind of okay. I guess the key is going to be finding the different keywords and the different uh, units you want to bring. Again, unless you are going scryer and unless you're going pestilence, because pestilence is going to really reward you through your priests, uh, yeah. and scryer is going to take it. And this is probably where I see most people focusing is getting those warpstone sparks from the scryer list because they're just so good. Yeah, um, I, guess, I guess, yeah, and I was just going to say too, with the, I guess with the whole battle tome, a lot of people, especially when I, when I talk to opponents about these rules, they struggle with the idea that I get access to them all, which like mm. you said, most people go, you pick a, like, you know, um, you pick a house, you pick a host, you pick a, like I played corn, you pick a slaughter host and you get just that, whereas I get whatever I take. Um, and it is kind of worth understanding that these are probably not mutually exclusive. That you get whatever, like as long as you have a hero with the keyword, you get to take the allegiance abilities. So, um, so yeah, with Scryer, and is one of the biggest benefits. Um, you get warp stones, which you can use to do things that are super important to you know your army. Things like re-rolling a cast, which is huge. Like when you have an essential cast to get off. Um, you use one warp stone spark, you get to re-roll that if you fail it. Um, it's like, it can be, it can be game changing, especially when you think about Scryer in terms of the only spell that really matters, which is more, more warp power. Yeah. Um, so if anyone doesn't know more, more warp power lets you re-roll all hits and wounds for one Scryer unit. That does not mean just in one phase. It's until your next hero phase. So if you do take something shooting like Giselles and you want to fish for those sixes, just re-roll them. If you're taking, you know, um, storm things, you, you throw them into combat afterwards because you know you get to re-roll all your hits and wounds all over again. Um, and again, like, and this is where acolytes suddenly seem quite broken because, again, on paper they're, you know, fours to hit, fours to wound, and everyone goes, well, you're not going to get many in with that with one attack each and an eight-inch range. But when you're re-rolling them all, um, suddenly that neg two ren d three damage becomes quite scary. And then there comes into the next um, <laughs> the next use of a spark, which is adding one damage in shooting, and that's horrendous. Uh, let me just put this out here. I played a game with Dan Brewer once, and uh, it was my Gits versus uh, his, his Skaven. And uh, I had a colossal squid going at his face, and uh, unfortunately that failed its charge. It was um, some really horrific. Uh, my my uh, Loon Boss on Mangler Squig uh, has a 3D6 move, it moved four inches. So it, it, it stuffed up my whole plan. And in return, Dan did 60 damage to my Colossal Squig. Not 60 to hit, not 60 wound, 60 damage. Uh, needless to say, that Colossal Squig was no longer there. But um, they absolutely can pack a punch, those, um, those uh, not acolytes. Yeah, acolytes. Um, yeah. They're brutal. They're brutal. And then Giselles with their long-range shooting. So Scryer really supports the uh, the shooting uh, part of Skaven and the mortal wound output, and especially right now with some of these things, some of these armies that are really reliant on key pieces. Literally only last night I was talking to Fire Slayers and I was saying, you know, doing mortal wounds from range is the key to take down things like Fire Slayers, taking down those heroes, taking down Lord Croak, taking down Teclas from afar. And it's through things like, I think Skaven are in a really good spot to handle those, those meta armies right now. Absolutely. Um, and this is a really good example of uh, an allegiance ability that 
it it just supports the choice of like hero and supporting units amazingly because if you're going to take you know a a warlock bombardier or a warlock engineer or your arch warlock you're definitely going to take at least some scryer units because really the the engineer's job is to support your scryer war machines or units and this just makes them overpowered it makes them fantastic you do some really cool stuff and we are, we're, we're getting to those tactics just yet but you know sending a unit of storm friends because uh, you don't make friends with Storm Fiends, so I call them Storm <laughs> Friends. Although that's a hangover from AOS 1, where you had the double battalion, the stupid... Uh, it was when that, you could pick the, pick the models' weapons, like, for the whole unit. Uh, and you'd, you'd, you'd jump in within three and just, like, burn and ate literally everything through the tunnel. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, like, Scryer is, is always going to be good. It's just uh, really well-packed. What are your thoughts on Pestilence? And um, I, I hope we haven't jumped too far ahead. No, I, no, I, this I, is I perfect. love to yeah. talk Pestilence because it used to be really good. People used to love Pestilence, and you'd see big blocks of Plague Monks. In fact, CanCon last year, I played a Pestilence army. But then Plague Monk's War Scroll got changed. It got reduced. The rules became simpler. And I would say they got probably reduced in their strength. They're not as good as they used to be. I, I actually, I, I think they're probably, I mean, they're, they're probably not as good as they used to be if you really kind of deck them out the way they used to be decked out, which is to have, you know, blades on some of them and staves on other ones in order to maximise the damage output. But I found that um, it was frustrating to play on my end, so you can imagine what it's going to be like for your opponent. The War Scroll was massive. The War Scroll had just so mm. many rules, and you know, there was like so many different weapon kit outs, and it did this, and it did this, and it did this, and it was just and a nightmare. So, yeah. I, I actually kind of I, I really like the new simplified, streamlined version, and the damage output's still amazing. So, like, there's, there's no complaints from me there. Um, so with the Pestilence list, I, I reckon if you were going to go a single list, Pestilence would be my single sub-faction just because um, I guess they have some of the better kind of melee units in there. Mm. So things like the Furnace, the Plague Monks, you know, even even if you're going to pick Vermin Lords, the, the Vermin Lord of Corruption is, you know, pretty good. Um, but again, for me to to do well in a in a skaven you know army you almost have to take just broad skaven tide and pick the different units for different things the weakness obviously of a pestilence is shooting they, they don't have scry's amazing shooting abilities you've just got um, your catapult right you, that's that's your primary shooting attack and it's not great <laughs> so um so yeah i mean it's great that it doesn't need line of sight but it's, it's just not great <laughs> um so the the abilities of um of pestilence it's again not like on paper it's not amazing and a lot of it is quite thank you <laughs> I mean, I, i've just been told that uh Ro was voted the sexiest is it kyton kyton how do you where, where are you from kyton uh you were the sexiest man uh two years in a row i, I can definitely see that it's true it's it's all true and until he says something mean about me in which case it's all lies <laughs> and spoiler alert guys uh the second list actually does have plague monk so we can actually bring this a little bit closer to see how yeah. um Ro is using uh and building around plague monk so they still have their place i think people were a bit harsh to throw them away and you know oh, i haven't yeah. seen them on the table since they, their wall scroll got changed and i think that was quite hard on them yeah totally um, so yeah, but the the allegiance ability is basically, and it, it seems really random because basically it gives you a list of plagues, 
um, and they only go off when your priest rolls a six on a prayer. So you kind of sit there going, well, is this even useful? Um, if you if you take like a plague furnace, you're going to be rolling five dice in a game. So this may not even happen. Um, you know, it might, but it might not. If you're taking like um, some of the some of the artifacts and command traits that go with it, suddenly that um, plague furnace can be rolling three prayers per turn, and then these things start actually kind of coming off fairly reliably. Um, the biggest one I always go for because it's a very strong and buffing ability is the last one, which is the ability to re-roll your prayers. Uh, is that the... Uh, is it the Angelance Scourge? No, yeah, it's, the it's the, Scourge, the, yeah. the Never Plague. It's the second last one. Uh, if the Plague manifests, you can re-roll pre-rolls for friendly Clan Pestilence for the rest of the battle. Okay, so you, you get that ASAP. And I guess I imagine if I'm going Pestilence, I want to fill my army with as many priests as possible in order to increase my likelihood of triggering a plague. And then if I can get this never plague early, again, I'm just really increasing the opportunity to re-roll my prayer, prayer rolls. And even if I'm successful in the prayer roll, I can try to stack that six. Yeah, or you take, um, and it's in, um, I think it's a command trait for Pestilence. Um, it's, it's an ability to, um, in addition to whatever prayers, you know, you get to... Um, use the the prayer on the plague priest war scroll that prayer is different to the plague furnace war scroll so what happens is if you if you take the plague furnace with that ability your plague furnace is rolling three prayers instead of one because in addition to his prayer he gets the two prayers that come in the plague priest war scroll so it's um it's a huge thing if you're gonna if you're gonna go you know prayer heavy it's great and then the other thing which um, helps Pestilence is the Norhole, aside from being arcane for your magic heroes, also gives you a plus one to pray for your for your priests. That's a, that's a wonderful segue because uh, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Before we get into list tech, which is literally next, guys, uh, is the Norhole placement because, again, this is a really interesting one because, you know, most armies get one piece. I think Deepkin's the only one that gets two two boats. But you get three. You get three pieces you get to put on the table. And it's interesting when I talk to Skaven players, um, some players like to put play them aggressively and put two in my deployment zone, one in theirs, uh, in their home zone. Some people like to play defensively and go for the magic buff by keeping two in their zone and one in mine. Um, or some of them just like to mess with me and probably have no plan, but they just think that I'm going to tunnel storm friends. But actually, they just use a little tunneling um ability on their, their their punch fist or whatever it is to do that. So how do you see the narholes? How do you place them? Is there any, uh, I don't know if you have a, a strategy the whole time or if it's matchup dependent? Yeah, it is very matchup dependent. I, I mentioned before that I see uh, the Skaven Tide army as a toolbox army. The way you play versus a different player or a different battle plan can be um, almost like, you know, opposite styles. So, like, you can, like, the way I play against, um, I've got some, out of, the, out of the guys locally where, in Kyneton, um, you know, we've got destruction players, so I'm, I'm looking to counterpunch because I know they're going to be at me turn one, so I'm screening and counterpunching. Um, we've got KO players, in which case I'm literally just dumping myself on objectives and making them go through bodies. Um, there's, there's all sorts of different ways to play it. 
Um, so it's the, the answer of how I use Norholes is however it suits me and however um, gives me a bit of an advantage. And I've done it in various ways. And I'll, I'll go through one of the examples when we talk about the, I think one of the lists I've got. Um, but in general, if it's a, you know, let's say we're playing, you know, Giants or Beast Claw, I will guarantee throw one Norhole at the back of the board in my opponent's territory because if they've got, you know, six units on the table, they're going to have to hold one back, which can be, you know, a quarter of their army just to babysit Norhole, which I'm probably never going to use anyway. Otherwise, suddenly a whole army turns up behind them and, you know, scores their home objectives. Um, if I'm playing against, you know, fast-moving armies, I'll probably put them maybe halfway up the board or something so I can turn up on objectives when they make me go first, which is usually is one of the downsides of Skaven. Um, the battalions are absolute rubbish. So the idea of having a low-drop Skaven army is just give up. Don't, don't even try to do that. You're going to have a 9-10 you know, drop minimum. <laughs> I don't think so I've ever seen it. I don't think I've ever seen a Skaven battalion outside of Age of, Sig Age of Sigmar One. Age of Sigmar One, the, yeah, the Scryer double battalion that got changed. I don't think I've ever seen anyone play with a Skaven battalion in the new edition or the new box. They're not very competitive. I think I saw one recently, which was um, a double um, Arxbar Voltag, oh. which is, and again, like it's not going to win much, but it's 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 a fun list. <laughs> I think the interesting part for, for the Narholes for me as an opponent is, one, you can guarantee yourself, well, not guarantee, but you can increase the likelihood of casting it with the plus one um, to Arcane. So really yeah. good if you've got, you know, even multiple spell casters, you could keep two Narholes at the back. Obviously, it's going to help with your endless spells as well. Um, the other part, while the other one is deadly, and that's okay, I think the key is that you can... If you have a unit within, is it one? What's the, what's the teleport? Six within six. Oh, six. Yeah, yeah. Like it's always that constant threat that you can um, you can use the the narhole to teleport behind the line. So as my force advances up the board to secure objectives, um, if I, if you leave a nine inch gap for them to kind of jump out of the narhole, I've now got a threat behind me that I need to either handle, and I'm now trying to handle the force in front of me and then trying to handle the force in the back of me, or you're going for an objective behind the lines. And then when you add um, the Storm uh, Fiends, who have a natural tunnel tunneling ability with the way that you kick them out, all of a sudden there's now two threats. I've got one from the tunneling and one from the narhole. So how do I screen both while protecting my home objectives, while claiming your objectives? Oh, and by the way, you've got a whole bunch of centerpieces who are probably going to shoot me off like Giselle's like, you know, yeah. your bombardiers, you know. Uh, so it, it does force you as an opponent uh, to focus, and it, it's very interesting. And and because um, a lot of people are used to, like, uh, Storm Friends tunneling, but actually they don't need the, they don't need the narhole to do it. So um, mm. it does pose yeah. some interesting threats. Yeah, so I, I do tend to use them in different ways, and I, I, I will have to admit one of the ways I use them is just to psych people out. Just put it somewhere where people don't want to be, but have to be if they don't want me to turn up there. I used to do. I used to do that with my Legion of Night. I could always put three things on the side of the board, and I'd always leave the Terror Geist to the very end to deploy. And people would be screening off the Terror Geist, thinking I was going to put a Terror Geist in reserve, and I never did. But yeah. it made them stretch their army out. It made them screen more, and then I could take advantage. So yeah, there's a psychological threat as well. 
that you can play around with. But overall, uh, if we ever get to play Row, I can't wait to smash it with one of my two gate breakers at Vic GT. <laughs> um, anything else you'd want to say on the Narhole, or do you want to get into your first list? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my Narhole. It's, it's, it's one of my key components in one of the little power plays I use in one of my lists. Yeah, I've acted in both of my lists, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's great. There's just so many mechanics. It, it, Skaven, to me, is a thinking man or thinking woman, thinking person's army, regardless of how you want to play. Like, it's certainly not Iron Jaws. It's not running up and just smashing and bashing. No. It really does take a lot of thinking, and you are thinking turns in advance. Yeah. So this is the first list, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the list that you took to Summer Smash, which was a few few weeks ago. But I'll read out the list uh, again for our friends on the podcast in case they can't see it. And talk me through the rationale. You've got so many different options in the Skaven book. Why did you choose what you chose? So uh, I'll read out the list. So you start off with the Grey Seer on Screaming Bell, which is the general. It has the command trait of Master of Magic with the uh, the Rune of Death Frenzy. You got yourself a plague priest on a plague furnace. You've got yourself an arch warlock with the vigor dust injector, and you've also got more, more, more warp power. Uh, used to that one. Uh, you've got twenty clan rats, twenty clan rats, twenty clan rats. Um, you've got yourself. Uh, I don't know one with one with spears, two with blades. You got yourself a unit of forty plague monks. You got yourself a unit of thirty plague monks, and you have a unit of six storm friends. Uh, those storm friends have two wind launchers two rattling guns, two shock, shock gauntlets. So a bit of a mixture of the three. Yeah. So start where you want to start. Uh, sure. I, I guess, yeah, like, again, why did you choose what you chose? Yeah. So there, there's a couple of combos. Essentially all my lists have certain combos that if they go off, they go off and everything goes super well for me and I'm really happy. And if not, then I'm in trouble. So I've started off with the realm of Ogu, um, which has a couple of benefits for me. One is... I chose this for Summer Smash because I knew the likes of, you know, Seraphon were going to be quite prevalent, and they were. So I wanted some line-of-sight blocking stuff, and I know that as much as um, a lot of things can fly and shoot, Seraphon was one where, you know, not as many units will be able to fly and shoot at the same time, so I had a bit of defence there. Um, obviously, with my own shooting, uh, which are the Storm themes down the bottom, I had Wind Launchers, which don't need line-of-sight. So it was kind of like a bit of a, here's my defense, and now I'm getting through that same defense, should I win the, the, the realm roll off? Um, so that was kind of one of the tricks with the Algu realm to begin with. The other one was the, the little teleporting um, ability, which I don't know if you've used that one before. It's, I, haven't um, I haven't played in Algu yet. Um, it's an awesome ability. So what happens is you, um, you use a command um, point to after at the end of the movement phase uh you pick a, a unit that's wholly within 18 inches of a hero and redeploy them six within six inches of that hero so what i do is i'll throw forward something like the plague furnace or the screaming bell and then just teleport my storm fiends right in front of them ah. <laughs> so what happens is obviously like people are you know expecting me to come through a nor hole and um you know are suddenly screening them off and potentially leaving the middle of the board empty. And then there's, you know, um, rattling cannons and wind launchers in your face. And there's the other thing as well is that now that the narholes are on the table, as long as you've got something within six inches, it's always a threat. So even in turn yeah. one, as long as you're keeping something around range, it's always going to be a threat that people can't ignore. 
Yeah. Uh, so the screaming, so the grace here on, on on screaming bell, you know, master of magic is giving you plus one to cast, which is awesome, as well as plus one to dispel and unbind. So put that near a null hole. It's plus two to the cast. Um, I was looking at your command traits, and there isn't that many good ones. I mean, no. maybe the savage overlord to get plus one bravery when they're within eighteen might be worth it. But I feel like that plus one uh, for casting, dispelling, and unbinding. It's probably just too good to walk away from. Absolutely, especially because the other reason the Screaming Bell is there is for Death Frenzy, which um, is a spell that goes off on a seven, so it's not a it's not a given. Um, so I kind of need that plus one and plus two to get off. Um, Death Frenzy uh, lets you uh, one unit attack when a model is slain. And the cool thing about this is, obviously, especially if you're used to new books, there's a lot of um, limitations. It's like, you know, slain with melee weapons or slain in the combat phase or slain by shooting or this one's just slain. So when they battle shock off, they attack. Um, mm. When they're, you know, when, when they're magicked off in the hero phase, they can attack. So it's, um, it's an amazing ability. And what it is is a massive deterrent to actually hitting a blob of, let's say, Plague Mucks, which is probably what I use them on 99% of the time. Um, so you chuck Death Frenzy on Plague Mucks, buff them up, throw them at the enemy. If you don't get into combat, great, because it means that they've spent an entire turn avoiding you. If they do get into combat, they're going to kill whatever they face. I tell you what, like I know other spells that have worked really well, at least again for, again, my, my terms of references, you know, Dan Brewer and Thomas Holdsworth, are my two big Skaven opponents. I know a few others, but, you know, they're the two ones that I play probably the most with. I know Warp Gale and Skitter Leap are ones that they use a lot as well, you know, especially like when I look at Warp Gale, um, not only does it do mortal wounds, and it's quite quite far, like 26 inches from the caster is, is a, quite a generous range. And It has been... Um, oh, is that one been changed, um, has it? It's been nerfed. It's 13. Which is why it's only used by KO now, because they teleport in front of you and drop it. <laughs> Warp Gale? Uh, oh, sorry. Warp, oh, no, Warp Gale. I'm not talking Warp Lightning Vortex. No, I'm talking Warp Gale. The, the spell. Oh, yeah, no, Warp Gale is still 26. Yeah, I, I was like, wait, what? Warp Gale? Yeah. yeah, I didn't think Warp Gale got changed. Yes, the Warp Lightning Vortex, the endless spell, has gotten changed. Yes, but no, Warp Gale uh, also then... Um, uh, so for D3 mortal wounds and then any run and charge rolls are halved. So considering you can hit them 26 inches away and then reduce their speed by half, you know, making a half charge roll is just nasty and it, it stops them from flying. So uh, that's such yeah. a jerk move. You know, the, the terror guys like walking up the board slowly, the more crusher walking up the board slowly. Uh, it's like you watch their face and they just cry. Yeah, the only the only problem with that one is you know you need something like a super powerful caster. Like you probably need to take Thankwell just to make sure it goes off. Yeah, because it's, it's it's an eight it's an eight cast, yeah. so you need to find yourself arcane terrain and find yourself a null hole or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can't get both because the null hole is arcane, so you can't double your arcane. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you you really need to get something like you know Thankwell with its default plus two to cast in order to actually kind of guarantee or not guarantee, but have a good chance of that going off. Uh, eight's a pretty hard number to cast, but you got yourself yeah. your Gracie on the Screaming Bell. It's giving you yeah. a good spell caster. It gives you a battle shock immunity within 13. It gets the lookout sir rule because it's a hero, but it's not a monster, which is uh, very cool. It's surprising. <laughs> yeah. 
when I fought them. Anything else that the Gracia brings to the party? Um, so, yeah, aside from that Battleshock immunity and, yeah, the the casting of Death Frenzy, not a whole lot. The other thing it really has going for it, which you kind of got to be a little bit reactive on, is the random roll on the bell. Um, so, you know, you can you roll two dice that you start the hero phase and, you know, you roll two ones and you start taking mortals. You roll two sixes and a vermin lord appears. And in, in, in between that, a whole lot of other stuff can happen. Like you can get bonuses to move, you can get bonuses to cast, you can get, you know... D3 mortal wounds, there's yeah. track one to hit. So there's some nice little things. I've never seen a vermin lord pop up. If it does happen, I would cheer. I'd, I would high-five my opponent if they can pull a vermin lord on a double six. So I've, I've been to Summer Smash twice, and um, my, my opening round's always been against a really nice guy called Daniel Trotter, and both times I've summoned a vermin lord. Against against the poor guy. <laughs> he's, he's probably writing to GW FAQ saying like it needs a nerf. Like his poor guys having horror stories from the free free uh, vermin lords. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it happens rarely. But the thing is, what I find with that random roll, there's always a use. If you can get like plus D six inches movement on a screaming bell, amazing. It means you can push your units that much further forward and keep them immune to battle shock. If you're dishing out mortals at 26 inches, amazing. Um, the most common one, which obviously goes off on a seven, um, is plus one to cast, which actually makes you know your casting even that much better. So it's um it's always useful, even if it's even if it's you know pretty average, like just the movement one. Um, there's always something you can do with it, maybe with the exception of taking mortals. I tell you what, though, if you can roll a ten or eleven, uh, the wall of unholy sound causing minus one to hit within the, the Pearl of Doom bubble, when that when that screaming bell is unwounded, you know, between the bracket of zero and three wounds taken, that's a 26-inch yeah. range minus one to hit bubble. That's yeah. massive. And then, you yeah. know, you've got the lookout sir stuff as well. Um, and the five-up bar to save. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah, they're hard to kill. And so, so the screaming bell, I mean... I wouldn't say that that particular role always wins your games, but there's always something you can do with it to make, you know, give yourself an advantage. If it's the movement one, move the screaming bell into the middle of the board ready for the next turn where it might roll and need one to hit or something like that. And it, happens, so, at the start of the, mortals. And it happens at the start of the hero phase as well, so it allows you to plan out. Your phase is not like it happens in the movement phase and then you wish you had it for the hero phase, yeah. so That's it gives right. you some good options. So that's what that's what I was saying. You have to be a bit reactive with what what you do with it, but like it presents opportunities, which is really what Skaven's about. I'm getting people in the chat saying that they uh, they've they've summoned free uh, vermin lords as well, and the, they, they agree with me that the the minus one to hit bubble is up there. Oh, that's just it's so good, and it's yeah. a double caster as well. It's just I I can definitely see this being the centerpiece. It's one that you always want to have in your army, unless you're probably uh, scryer not scryer um. Uh, uh, pestilence. If you're pestilence, you probably don't take this. Uh, but even then, you might. There might even. There's probably an argument still to take it. In a well, the benefit is, if in, even if you're pestilence, you can take you know a master clan commander. So sorry, uh, as your leader or as your general, which means you know you can actually take the screaming bell and everything else pestilence and not lose your allegiance. Yeah, but, that's but like I said, there's there's very little benefit to you know to going for a sub allegiance because the all you do is you limit yourself in terms of the units you get to choose from. 
Yeah, as in the four game is saying in the chat that Skaven are in the land of cheap double casters, and I absolutely agree. And then you got people like Zed in the chat saying that he runs a screaming bell, Thankful, and a bombardier. So that's just whew. Yeah, it's like you can you can actually build like strong casting armies. Like even mm. your um your Grey Seer on foot, even in this meta, like the ability for the Grey Seer to roll three dice to cast and pick the two highest ones is strong and then if there is something really urgent like that you just really want to get off you try with your gray seer because if it if you roll those three dice and it's a 13 your gray seer dies but that spell can't be unbound mm. so so there are there are opportunities where you can you can outcast you know the casting armies with uh, with skaven and, and, and casting is definitely getting harder in the game right now especially when we've got super casters like nagash the Lord yeah. of Change, uh, Lord Croak, Techless, you know, even Archeon's running around at the moment eating spells through Dogar. Yeah. So uh, getting some more consistency um, is going to be key. But I, I look, that, that I think I think this, the Grey Seer on Screaming Bell is an absolute, you know, uh, don't leave home without it just type of yeah. unit. Uh, I'm sure there's cases where you don't, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a great centrepiece. I think it's been a good year and a half since I've not taken the Screaming Bell. <laughs> um plague furnace is the same it's a it's a immune to battle shock buff and the prayer which um I, I use on plague monks and i'll go through my plague monks when i talk about them and the arch warlock is again amazing vigor dust injector oh plus one to hit plus one to charge that's and for a unit right it's not for itself it's for a unit no, it's like for a it's, unit you pick a unit yeah. wholly within 12 inches yeah um, so all you do is you like, and this is where I guess my tactic of buffing up a unit and throwing it outside of the bubble, um, like you just buff them up, you throw them out, you let them die, you buff up the next unit, you throw them at the opponent, let them die. And uh, this is Skaven as well, Rob saying that my Gracie has blown himself up every time he's done the three dice. He's truly blessed. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> like that's just, that's just the way things work. Um, yeah, uh, and and a maths check's being telling told it's like a, a ten percent chance of a thirteen on three d six. So it's not that uh, unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. Yeah. Uh, but that's amazing. So your your plague priest on furnace is is giving you uh, a bit more of a like a centerpiece buff, and um, again supporting. Why not run two uh, graces on screaming bells? Why why run one of each? So the this is this comes down to my my plague monk um, buffs. So the, the Plague Priest on Plague Furnace um, gives you a spell where you can either add one to the attacks characteristic of a Pestilence unit or reroll wounds. So either option, I, I tend to go reroll wounds because I like my reliability ahead of my spike damage. Um, you put that on 40 Plague Monks and the damage output just you know, increases by a huge amount. So what you're finding is your Plague Priest on your Plague Furnace is combining with your Plague Monks and then your Gracier on Screaming Bells probably more combining with your Clan Rats. So you've got these two little, like, wizard um, Actually, no, every, everything's used to buff a unit. So, for example, Death Frenzy, and this is this comes down to my, my, my Plague Monk tactics. So um, Death Frenzy goes on the Plague Monks. Yeah, let's just talk. Let's just go, let's go talk about it. We've alluded yeah, from yeah. Plague Monks for a few times now. Yeah, so yeah. before we get there... Does that mean your clan rats are screens? They're just blocking up the board? My clan rats are there to get in the way of things, steal objectives, and die. Okay. So they're, they're screens, <laughs> they're bodies, they're uh, clogging up the board, they're being annoying. Yeah. Um, 
the, so, the real power straight from the plague plague monks and your storm friends. Yeah. So like you know, twenty clan rats at one hundred and twenty points is cheap. Um, to be honest, and you'll see this in my next build, forty clan rats are better because two hundred points for forty wounds is just you know stupidly cheap. Um, but all they are is strings. They don't actually do a lot in terms of damage output. They just they they can be a little bit annoying in terms of hanging around because they do. Although they have a six up save, they have a plus one when there's more than ten of them. So a five up save is not terrible. And then they also have that ability to retreat and charge. I was just about so, to say that I think the lesson that I had learned by fighting clan rats is normally when you have attrition and you take down a unit down to like two or three, you're like, eh, I can ignore them now. I don't have to worry about those clan rats. But those little three dudes or two dudes or seven dudes or whatever is left from the clan rat unit, being able to retreat and charge. Again, you know, you mentioned, you know, wrapping around and kind of uh, retreating and onto a home objectives. Yeah. Either you 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 waste a whole bunch of attacks trying to handle these little little couple of rats running around objectives, or they're annoying the crap out of you stealing. Or you like you know like if you're playing against fire slayers, you you tag the end of a hearthguard unit, and only four of them get to attack, and then they run away and hit the squishy heroes behind them. <laughs> so it can be it can be really strong um, depending on how you use them, but you got to use them intelligently because like as much as they are useful and versatile they'll die like anything yeah i mean they've got a six up armor save plus one and they've got a shield while they've got 10 or more models um and now the cool thing as well is you get plus two to the charge from um from the the rat the the uh, bell, yeah, the bell, to, ringer, to the bell ringer yeah to run i believe uh oh, sorry to run sorry yeah it's run mm -hmm. yeah it's run run roll but what it means is that you know like you you roll a six or you force a six and they're moving 14 inches <laughs> which is which is insane um so yeah but I, I use them mainly for screening you know making sure that you know whatever their hard hitting units are are hitting clan rats rather than plague monks and then yeah, you, you want them to soak up damage you want them to, to to hold objectives back you want to claim objectives and yeah. take the initial brunt and then the plague monks the storm fiends the you know like yeah. 20 clan rats like they, they're dirt cheap they're so good they are so yeah, so the way the way I've got my my clan rats is just for screening, and then my plague monks and my storm fiends are doing the actual work. And you've gone uh, forty and thirty. Is that because you've just run out of points? Like I look at this right, and you've yes. got like there's yeah. forty points different for ten more plague monks. Surely you've got forty points somewhere. Surely no. you're, you're like you're. You're selling storm your next of kit just to get forty more points. <laughs> storm fiends are very expensive, and this is and you'll see in my next list is this list I kind of took because I basically I I wanted to have a game where I could drink a bit more beer, basically. <laughs> um, so my next list um, has well over two hundred models. And, right, well, let's, um, not, let's not ruin Christmas. Let's not yeah. ruin Christmas. <laughs> like they know so, there's a present so, coming. Let's 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 anticipate. So this is my present. fun list. And and the fun list involves six storm fiends. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you're probably better off because um, whenever I find storm fiends, I always find the unit of six. I mean, this is such a stupid comment, but a unit of six is just so much better than a unit of three. Like when I look at a unit of three, I've never been phased with them. Like when someone throws three at me, because what they six wounds each, unless the combat dude's got like seven wounds, um, I can handle them pretty easily. 
But when there's six of them, um, and they are big bases, so the likelihood of you getting all six into combat is yeah, pretty low. But it's just a lot of wounds. It's just a big. It's like it's it's like fighting Nurgle. It's just a big block of wounds, and yeah. they do a lot of damage, and they'll tie you up for such a long time. And they're scary. The, the damage output in shooting is actually very scary in a block of six. In a block of three, you know, they'll do a bit of damage, but usually not enough to necessarily wipe entire units. In a block of six, they will wipe entire units. Yeah, block of three to me is just like a little harasser unit. A unit mm. of six is a true anvil. Like, they will tie you down. They'll do some damage. It'll take you a lot of effort to take down six, especially yeah. with the doom seven wounds. Yeah. But as you can see, at 520 points, they're also damn expensive. What, one of the questions that I want to ask before we unpack the Storm Fiends a little bit more, and um, I think did you have you had the Arch Warlock? We've also talked about the Bombardier. So why didn't you take the Bombardier in this list? Because I, I I've played a whole bunch of Skaven, and probably the the list that I've, I've played the most recently is having like a double Bombardier. Um, yeah, so, so for me, reliability. Yeah, it's just, for me, it's reliability. So if I'm going to take a Bombardier or an Engineer, I need two because I need redundancy because they're going to die. Um, with an Arch Warlock, he's got a three-up save and six wounds. He's at 160 points. He's actually probably cheaper than two bomb like Bombardiers in terms of points and in terms of survivability. So it's, it's more a matter of, you know, if, if I'm going to rely on my Arch Warlock to, and he does, like Vigadus Injector is really purely for Plague Monks and it's important for Plague Monks. Um, more and more warp power is essential for Storm Fiends to actually have any kind of damage output because they basically hit on a four up. Um, without the re-rolling hits and wounds, they, like, they actually reduce quite significantly in their potential to do damage. That Arch Warlock is very, very key to my entire army. So if he can be picked off by a little bit of sniping, I'm in big trouble. And the chat is absolutely in your corner. Rob saying that, you know, um, definitely worth taking an Arch Warlock more than, you know, two Bombardiers. I think people are just 100% agreeing that having the Arch Warlock like, is just such a better decision than the Bombardiers. Obviously, the Bombardier brings something, some value, but as you've mentioned, the synergies that uh, the Arch Warlockers bring to the table and the survivability is just far better than the Bombardiers. Yeah, if you're going to take a lot of Scry units, then yeah, sure, bring a second one because you can, you know, probably maybe not entirely buff, but like you can, you can use Sparks with one of them. You can, you know, buff Warp Lightning Cannons with the other one. Yeah. The last list I played with the double Bombardiers had two big blocks of Gisales. They had like Gisales on each side. I think it was a unit of six or a unit of nine, like two units of, of Gisales, a Bombardier on each side, um, and then a unit of six Storm Fiends and, you know, things like that. Yeah. That, yeah, that so probably they're, they're both doing multiple jobs. Yeah. So in my list, because, you know, I've, I've only got a little bit of Scryer, which is, you know, filling out the shooting po portion of my army, I need one good scryer wizard to you know support him yeah that's neat um is there any other way you'd kid out your storm fiends or is this the way you've chosen um, um it's it's the it's from what i can tell the best way um the wind launchers have you know 24 inch range with not needing line of sight neg three ren you know d3 damage they're really really amazing and then the rattling cannons just do the rest especially because you can do things like you know turn up in a through a hole nine inches away They've got 12-inch range, so they can actually just turn up somewhere and shoot. 
Um, I know that some people do take things like the the grinders, which let them tunnel. Yeah. Um, but what I find is, um, you know, there are other ways to tunnel. So, you know, if you're going to, like, you know, the Algu command ability that lets you throw them forward, the, um, the I think there's that endless spell. The, I was the literally about to, about to say one. Of the, I remember playing, uh, I think it was Corey up in Queensland, uh, and he threw a, uh, he, he threw the soul screen bridge at me yeah. with, with uh, the screaming bell and a unit of plague monks. Um, so that was a way that he was able to bring his, his units forward. And then uh, because there's a hero there, he could like, you know, reroll the charge and, and do all this yeah. cool stuff. But um, yeah. so you're super strong. So the option for tunneling is there, but you just think that uh, going, you know, because I'm seeing in the chat here gauntlets versus flayers for the uh, the, the melee guys, uh, I guess pros and cons, but... Um, yeah, they, they equate to almost the same. Um, the the gauntlets has a little bit more spike damage because they um, explode dice on a six to hit. Um, but for me, like, if, if my Storm Fiends are, you know, in melee and need melee output, I'm probably doing something a little bit wrong. Um, unless they're hitting something really soft, in which case I don't care that they're not necessarily putting a lot of output into it. Um, what they're really there for is the shooting. Yeah, I was going to say you. I, I find storm fiends are about the shooting, and then the uh, the combat is the mop up. They're they're yeah. not going in. They're not trying to do combat first. They are shooting first, and then actually, there's been times where I've had tunneling storm fiends pop up, do a whole bunch of shooting, and just and they could they could charge. But they choose not to. They just want to sit and just sit on an objective and with their big block of wounds, just hold. There's there's a big risk with Storm Fiends where if you do throw them into melee and you don't wipe out the unit that is in melee, the next turn of shooting is wasted on the couple of models that are left standing there in front of them. Well, I actually battle shot one, uh, one or two of them off the last time I played. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it might have been at least one. I remember yeah, laughing my, my ass off. Yeah, I remember laughing my ass off at least battle shocking one because you've thrown them and overextended. There's no hero to to inspiring yeah. presence, and so uh, it was a very expensive battle shock for that Skaven player. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, they're they're not there to like throw into melee. <laughs> no, be be smart. Don't don't just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any anything else you'd call that with this particular list? I mean, you're you're just under two hundred wounds. You know, you're two thousand points on the nose. You've got yourself three uh, three battle line. Uh, there's not a lot of battle line, but you've got you know some screens. You've got some some nice juicy you know two units of plague marks, the storm fiends, uh, some nice little buff pieces from the gray seer and the uh, the plague priests, both on their 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 wizard wagons. Um, as well as the the arch warlock, which we've already talked about as being a bit more survivable than say the uh, the bombardier. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, uh, I guess at the start of this list, I built this list for a bit of fun, so I could um you know throw some things around, throw storm fiends in people's face, and you know watch them you know make make some stuff disappear, and generally have some fun. And it was a great fun list. Um, it's probably not my not my competitive list, but it's um it was very very enjoyable. Um, and I guess relative to what I'd call my usual kind of method of playing Skaven, it was a lot less um, work. <laughs> in, in saying all of that, Ro, um, you did go three and two with this list. So despite yeah. it being a quote-unquote fun list, guys, make no mistake, this is not a, a bottom, you know, wooden spoon uh, type of list. You know, it's still yeah, three-two at a very I competitive... 
Yeah, I said I, I think I finished twelfth out of fifty for that one. <laughs> like, like, come on, guys! Like, I, 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 just, I just didn't want to discredit this list because it's still a very good list. You've still it was, it was a good list. list, yeah. And we'll go. Let, let's go to the other list because I think that's a yeah. little bit more competitive. It's got the same I kind of so. bones. It's, it's the same bones. Because normally, at this point, I would have said to you, um, "How would you make it more competitive?" But I know yeah. for a fact that the next list has the same bones, but you've kind of uh, kitted it out a little bit. So. Um, the second list we've got, you'll notice some commonality. We've got the Grey Seer on Screaming Bell. It's the General. It's got the Command Trade of Master of Magic. You're still coming from the realm. Oh, no, you're coming from the realm of Gur, not Ulgu. You were Ulgu before. Um, you got the Plague Priest on the Plague Furnace. You've got the Arch Warlock. Again, same kit out with Vigor Dust and more, more, more Warp Power. Now, we've got a different loadout here. We've got 40 Clan Rats with the Spears. You've got 20 Clan Rats with the Blades. You've got 20 Clan Rats with the Blades. You've got two units of 20 Acolytes. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I've, only ever, I've only ever fought one unit of acolytes i don't think i've ever fought two units of acolytes because normally i would fight gisales as well um you've got two units of acolytes you've got a unit of 40 plague monks you've got a four unit of 40 plague monks so this is over 200 wounds it's 232 wounds on the nose of 2000 points again um yeah. now with I your lead i should point out sorry i should point out that um i actually take the plague monks with staves instead of blades Okay, is that for both of the units, or is that for yeah. just one of them? Okay, so why, yeah. why, that? why the why the staves? So the the staves um, have two inch range, um, and when you've got blocks of forty of them, um, if they're touching base to base, then you know three rows of plague monks can hit something. Gotcha. Yeah. I've noticed that both of your lists don't have any of the endless spells, both either your generic endless spells or um, no. or your scaven endless spells. Is it because is it because you've um, the, the the warp lightning vortex got kind of reduced in its power, or is it you're just finding more value in your units as opposed to spells? I think there is a lot more value in the units. The only the only endless spell I'd really consider is the the bell of doom. Yeah. <laughs> people are people are pumped about 40 acolytes unfortunately if you're going to buy the legit models you buy them in blister packs of one and i think they're metal like 20 um, something dollars per <laughs> so I'm, I'm using um blood bowl rats and converting them neat neat yeah T take me through take me through the top so you've got the same loadout you've got everything that we just talked about with the grace here on screaming bell with you know death frenzy master of magic uh, the Plague Priest on the Plague Furnace, the Arch Warlock with the same loadout. Do they play the same role or uh, have you found with the with the unit selections, they they have a different role? They do exactly the same thing in both armies. So the... it's all about Battleshock immunity, you know, the Arch Warlock buffing the Plague Monks with Vigidus Injector, buffing the Acolytes with more more warp power. Um, the furnace is giving the reroll wounds to plague monks. The the screaming bells putting death frenzy on plague monks. Um, okay. So yeah, same, same. It, it all comes down to again. I'm screening. Um, this time I've got way more clan rats, which I prefer. Um, having a block Why? of forty clan rats is so good. Why? Why is it good? Why is it better to take two a uh, unit of forty clan rats as opposed to what you previously had, which was you know units of twenty. So the 40 clan rats, first of all, is stupidly cheap at 200 points. Like, it's insanely cheap. Like, 80 points for 20 clan rats is unbelievable. Um, 
to be honest, if I if I had spare points, it would probably go into upgrading one of the other units to forty as well. Um, it's it's bodies, it's movement. It's got all the things clan rats have. Um, it's your biggest. You know, you can you can screen your entire army with forty clan rats. Um, so it's got a lot of kind of versatility. And again, if something big and you know hard hitting hits into them, because you're within that kind of battle shock bubble, you're not going to run out of clan rats anytime mm. soon. So you know, I can I can lose twenty eight clan rats and have eight sitting there in front of say a more crusher, ready for me to counter hit them with plague monks or something. Reminds me of when I play with my gits, you know, I'd have a unit of 60 gits uh, near my loon shrine, which has battleshock immunity within 12 inches. And even if my gits had extended out from the loon shrine, I just keep pulling models, dragging myself closer to the loon, loon shrine, and then I'm just battleshock immune. So um, if I don't want to spend a CP. So I think having 80 bodies, up to 80 bodies from the clan rats um, yeah, as just screenings. screenings. <laughs> to to stop those eels coming from the side of the board to uh, avoid those more crushes, uh, even if like you know the the OBR catapults go at you, you just like, cool cool story, bro. Yeah, I've lost a lot of clan rats. Great, <laughs> um, but yeah, the real the real tech is in the uh, the scries and the plague monks in this list. Um, and again, I'm making use of the um, the realm, which is um, the realm of beasts in this case, Gur. Um, my, my standard move with this list is to, uh, let's see, start with, you know, Death Frenzy, Vigor Dust Injector, um, Reroll Wounds, and the Realm Spell, which is plus two to charge, all on one unit of Plague Monks. Send them through a door hole nine inches away from the enemy. Um, and that gives me essentially a five up to charge. Okay, so you're able to get... Yeah, because so so the, the Plague Monks have a default plus one to charge on their War Scroll. Yeah, that's Vigor from Dust give, Sorry? Oh, that's from, yeah, that's just from one of the standard... Uh, yeah, it's just on their War Scroll. Yeah. Yeah, and then plus one to charge from Vigor Dust Injector and plus two to charge from the Gur Spell, which means nine inches away, five up charge. And um, if you really wanted to guarantee that, you could get cogs and you know get plus two to that if you wanted. If you if that was a strategy you were building around, and you just wanted yeah. to minimize the failure rate, you know you could then bring that down to a uh, a, a three inch charge. So, yeah. but the benefit is death frenzy. Whether like you know if I don't make the charge, I've got a block of forty models there that as soon as you touch them are going to murder you. <laughs> so um and and again with with the with the buffs and with the you know the overwhelming mass and everything you get to that point where it is you know plague monks hitting on twos wounding on threes re-rolling wounds sixes to wound do extra damage um you know when they die they attack on that profile again and then do a mortal to you on a six i remember at the height of plague monks i was playing death i was playing legions in the gash and it, I, I hated it so much. I hate playing <laughs> because you've got no tools, you've got no shooting. So all I had was like eight inch kind of breath weapons. And I'm like, so you got to hit them. <laughs> yeah. And there's like 120 plague monks running around. I'm like, yeah. But they are so still. That's why, so, yeah. There is a lot of shooting now in the meta. So 
if, if an opponent is listening to this, you know, you want to shoot them ASAP before they get into combat, you know, anything you can to get rid of those plague monks um, and vice versa, you know, anything you can do to protect them as a Skaven player because uh, once you get into combat, that's where you get, where you get the real value of them dying. But anything prior to combat, uh, it's just wasted wounds and, and wasted potential. Absolutely. Um, ideally, you want them in enemy territory on an objective and you're forcing someone to actually take you off it or you know kill you off it in order to win it. Yeah, yeah no, they're neat. Um, and again, you've got two blocks of, of 40. Uh, yeah. Any reason why you didn't go the 30? Because you, you mentioned you know, you'd love to increase a, another unit of clan rats. Why not go, why not drop those plague monks and, and, and get two units of 40 clan rats instead? So with this with this list, um, you can kind of whittle down my my damage to those last four units. There's like all my damage comes from two blocks of 40 plague monks and two blocks of 20 acolytes. Like the rest of my army doesn't do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So the option is do I you know take take more screening and less damage or less screening and more damage and I kind of find this is a decent balance um there's enough screening there to protect you know against double turn in most cases um and you know should it get to the point where you know I'm really against the wall you know something like death frenzy can really save me because half like you know my, I can use my plague monks as a screen and kill the opponent's models as they attack so there's, there's kind of all sorts of things you can do here but basically you know it's, it's to maximize my damage output lee in the chat made a really good point as well the, the last list compared to this list um with your plague monks that used to be 30 um when they take one wound you lose half of that overwhelming mass buff because you get plus one to hit when you are 20 or more and uh plus one to wound when you're 30 or more so That's by having totally a unit right. 30, you take one wound as one arcane bolt and you've lost plus one to wound. So uh, by having the, the block of 40, it's just going to mean that you've got 11 or 10 wounds, 11 yeah. wounds, until you lose that plus one to wound as well. So I right. um, uh, love it, love it. It's brutal. And, you know, 40, <laughs> 40 wounds from Plague Monks for 300 points is actually good value, 280. Um, it's very good. cheap, especially for the work they do. It's very cheap. Yeah, you'll, you'll, um, you'll, spend, you'll spend more than 300 points trying to handle that unit. Very much so. Um, and then then the Acolytes are essentially there for, you know, shooting over the top of something. Talk to me about and, the Acolytes because I, th I think there's some things that people are kind of catching up on. People are used to your Gisales. Gisales are a lot more common. Yeah. Uh, even like your the Warp Fire, what's the little teams, the Warp Oh, yeah, team. like the, the weapon teams, yep. Yeah, because you've got those like the Isle of Blood and things like that. But just say, Acolytes are being, becoming more and more popular. It's just that they're hard to access because of the price yeah. and just they're really old sculpt. But talk to me about how the power comes out of the Acolytes because yeah. they are brutal. You mentioned the plus one damage. You you talked about the Warpstone Spark. Um, you've got to protect these guys at all costs. They are the number one target that I want to take down as an yeah. opponent. Yeah, um, so the the power from the Acolytes, it, it comes from a, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, they are, they've got movement out the arse. So basically they can run and shoot. So yes. again, you, you throw that, you know, that command point into making them auto go six inches and they're running 12 inches up the board with, and they only have an eight inch shooting range. Um, so obviously, 
like they they're not going to shoot squishy heroes at the back of the board and they're not going to teleport through nor holes or anything like that and actually be able to shoot anything because their range is an inch too short so they are really kind of counter-strike so what you do is again if you've got the screens which in this one in this list i do you put them a good you know 12 uh, maybe you know, 12 inches or a bit more behind you know your clan rat screens or your plague monks and it becomes another deterrent. It's like, well, I'm about to hit a useless screen of clan rats yeah. with a guaranteed, you know, uh, shooting round of acolytes the next turn. So it, it just becomes a bit of a, you know, well, is this even worth it? <laughs> yeah, like when I when I when I played against acolytes, they're normally around the screaming bell. So you've got like a nice big block of clan rats, kind of bubble wrapping. Uh, and then at least a couple of inches, because again, it's only eight inches. Uh, and if yeah. if you are being behind a unit of clan rats, you know, run and run and still shoot doesn't mean a lot. Uh, no. When you look at the eight inches, you're like, like you look at his profile on base. You know, eight inches, fours, fours, ren two for d three. So you know, you think yourself you're going to get one, two good attacks. But if you can protect them with the clan rats, you just keep them away from opponents. They just sit at the yeah. back, just burn, burn, burn. And they're a huge threat. Like, you know, the likes of, you know, like the big things, Archeon, Terrorgeists, they they don't fear melee because they'll kill it on the way down. They'll kill it before it even gets to attack. They'll kill it a second time before, you know, you get to go again. All those kind of abilities. Whereas if they get hit by a massive rend, you know, and especially if you do buff your Acolytes. So a lot of those, because they do only have one attack each. So yeah. your 20 Acolytes are doing 20 shots. But, you know, 24 ups re-rolling followed by 20, like, let's say it's about, you know, 16 four ups re-rolling with D3 plus one damage from your spark. Suddenly, yes. you know, they're, they're killing an Archeon or a Terrorgeist in turn, no worries. Well, I, as, I as I told you at the start of the show, um, I got 60 damage put on my, mm. uh, my Colossal Squig. So uh, even, you know, yes, the Colossal Squig's only got like a five-up armor save, but if you think about that damage output... Uh, and Ren 2, you know, is is no joke. Um, that's still a lot of damage. So, yeah. uh, and, you know, like once you've got 10 more, 10 models or more, you get plus one to hit from uh, the just the gas clouds and then obviously the plus one from being in Skaven as well. So um, you really, you know, putting a lot of damage in, but you've got to make the most of that eight inch because that's not a lot. No. And and that's where, again, for me, this, um, this particular list in in particular, but also the army as a whole is a really good toolbox because let's say there is cases and, and the perfect example for me is KO because I played it a little bit locally. Um, you know, you're playing against KO, your acolytes aren't going to do anything because, you know, 20, 20 inches is not going to actually get you shooting an ironclad because it will disappear again well well before then. Um, you know, your plague monks won't necessarily reach it. Things will disappear and turn up at the other side of the board. Your heroes get picked off. In those kind of situations, what I've got here is enough bodies to hold, you know, three, four objectives for, you know, three rounds. And that that's enough to win a game. The Acolytes will, like I'm looking at the chat and, you know, something like Iron Jaws doesn't have the tools to be able to get in. They're going to have to do a lot of damage to get through those clan yeah. rats to get to the Acolytes. Then on the flip side, your Skaven or even like your, your Seraphon doing mortal wounds from range or your Salamanders from Seraphon, they'll just 
pick them off easily. So yeah. I think the great thing as well is that, you know, even though someone's attacking your acolytes, it means people aren't attacking your plague monks. You've got multiple threats. So if I ignore the plague monks and go for the acolytes, uh, the, the plague monks are going to get into combat and they'll just dice you up or vice yeah. versa, um, flip it around. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always there's always some kind of threat. Like you can, you can get rid of probably you know, a good half my army and there's still threat in my army. Yeah, no, it's brutal. Um, anything else you'd call out with this particular list? I mean, it's awesome. You know, you've got your two units of 40 uh, plague marks. You've got your 20, you know, two units of 20 uh, acolytes. Uh, we talked about the screens. We talked about the clan rats. They're there not to do damage. They're there just to to, to take up objectives, to screen off, to, um, to, to pin you and use the retreat and charge mechanics. Uh, maybe even to be a threat during the narhole. So a uh, unit you know, 20 can can take advantage of the narhole as well and go for a, a late game objective, especially when you've got, you know, a very small unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, probably just to reiterate what you said near the start, um, Skaven is um, very much like a, a thinking a thinking person's army. Like there isn't, there isn't a scenario where you just go, I'm going to do this every single game, every single time, because it doesn't work that way. You're always kind of um, playing towards the objective and the outcomes you're looking for, um, and that could be a different style and different method each time. I find, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just an assumption based off my opponents, I don't find Skaven players generally have a solid game plan. It's not like turn one, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You know, we, you can pick uh, can pick Deepkin's game plan from a mile away. The minute you see yeah. eels, the minute... Volturnus, the minute you see a Soul Scryer, you know they're going to do this. But when you see Skaven list, to me, Skaven seems like one of the best counter attack armies. You give away the first turn, you see what your opponent's going to do, and then you plan and you manipulate accordingly. Um, you 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 choose certain things to come up from the from the narholes. You know you 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 play the game appropriately, but it's very much about counter attack. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of forced it to be that way in the sense of um, almost every time you're either alphaed or forced to go first in a position where you can't do a lot. So, mm. so you know, if you're alphaed, obviously you're going to, you know, your first move is to counterattack. Um, and if you do get, you know, outdropped, which is a very regular thing, and someone positions them in a way that, you know, you're never going to reach them, your first move is literally setting up being ready for a double turn, but potentially being ready to act if you do get the next round. Yeah, like, you know, if you do get the first turn, you really move that big wave of uh, clan rats up on the board, seize those objectives, position the, uh, you know, the, the screaming bell to kind of, I mean, a battle shock. And it's like, cool, I've now got 40 units, 40 models or 20 models on an objective. Come fight me. And, yeah. uh, and you can obviously uh, take the charge. And then you might counter charge with those plague marks, counter charge with those storm fiends, you know, shoot me off the board with the acolytes because I can't get to you. So, um, you know, you can take first and set yourself up, or you can, you know, take second and um, and and respond appropriately. And because your battalions are not that very good, um, mm. you just don't have to worry about the drops. Like it's going to be. I don't think I don't think escaping plays ever out uh, beat me on the drops. Like I feel like I've always had the choice. I'd be surprised if a Skaven player ever outdropped giants or you know 
ogres or any of those kind of like low drop lists. Yeah. The cities of Sigmar that has um, <laughs> most of the Sigmar don't really take battalions in that. I think I've always out. I've always got to choose uh, in that. So um, yeah, I think I think a, a low drop scaling list would be like eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That might be a scroll list where you're putting more of your points in big blocks as opposed to, you know, 20, 20, 20, 20s, a couple of buff heroes. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, like it just, it just means that, you know, every turn, whether you're going first or second, you're literally looking at the board at that moment going, great, what do I change in my game plan to win? Which is exciting. It's, it's really interesting. And it's one of the things I really love about Skaven. And you've got the randomness of the warp, warp stone sparks. You've got your, yeah. you know, hey, the the double six and get get, get yourself a free vermin lord. Uh, if you want to, you yeah. know, and, and that's the thing is if you want to have some more combat punch from Rose List, for example, you might, I don't know, pull pull one of the 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 Grey Seer or the you know the Plague Priest and get yourself a a vermin lord corruptor or a vermin lord, you know, that kind of that, that's a that's a wonderful model to jump from a narhole. Uh, give it a, a realm artifact or some type of artifact, and I mean, you, you don't have the sort of judgment anymore. That was the last time I played a vermin lord, but uh, yeah. you know, th th that can be a nice little combat monster. We talked about Thankwall. Get yourself Thankwall to get yourself some additional casting. Is there any endless spells that might work with this type of list? I, I spoke about cogs. If you wanted to increase your likelihood of yeah. charging, cogs is there is any good. other? Is there any other um, ones that might work well? So you could always take things like um, the Emerald Life Swarm because Skaven innately has no healing. Um, I mean, unless you're going Molder, which is not very competitive, you don't have the option. Like for example, you know, your Screaming Bell takes a couple of mortals, and suddenly your um, your range is down to twenty inches or eighteen inches. How do you get that back? You can't. So something like Emerald Life Swarm will be good. Or you know, again, if your if your screens have been hit hard and you want those screens back. Emerald Life Swarm. Um, so that's a really good one. Um, the Bell of Doom I mentioned before is awesome. That's your, that's your like, endless spell. I've never played yeah. against the Belm. I, usually, I see usually I see it's a conversion with a, a Grey Seer on the Bell, but I don't think I've actually ever seen the Bell on the table. What does it do? So the Bell of Doom, it's um, it's essentially a little mobile um, battle shock bubble. So think of your your screaming Bell or your furnace except this one you throw forward with, let's say, your unit of um, um, Storm Vermin, Storm Fiends, Plague Monks. Uh, you cast it forward with them, and then that Battleshock bubble goes along with them. Um, but if you, I think uh, at the end of, I think it's when it's set up and the movement phase, you roll three dice again, and if it's a 13, it explodes and does mortals to everyone around it. It's the Bella Doom. <laughs> but, um, but, the, but the thing is, you also through through using it your, your your forward unit which you're kind of throwing away suddenly becomes a little bit of a tank as well because it's not going to run away but on top of that when it comes to the next round and you or your opponent get to move it if your opponent moves it do they move it away from your army so that you don't get the um you know the buff in which case they're probably moving it towards themselves or do they move it into your army and try and explode it? But if they yeah. don't explode it, you're immune to battle shot. Damn if you do, damned if you don't. And I don't have the wall scroll in front of me, but Rob was calling out as well that it's not wholly within, so it's yeah. great for your horde units. So um, that's super handy, especially um, just to keep those big blocks that might be strung out uh, as well. So 
Uh, and then people like Jan are saying that the, the the bell of doom is blown up after its casting. So that's Skaven, man. That, that is Skaven. Um, to, is, there a, is there a place for the doom wheel? Because in my mind, when I, I come from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, that was where I started Warhammer. I'm OG. Look at the old old man beard here. <laughs> and and the, the the screaming, not screaming bell, the, 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 the hamster wheel, the doom wheel was like a staple of a Skaven list, and I'm yet to see it. I'm yet to see it on the table. It is amazing. Um, it has it suffers from, I guess, unreliability, which is why you won't see it in competitive lists. It is such a fun thing to play, and outside of tournaments, I would take. I've got a Doom Wheel. I want more. I would take the Doom Wheel for a fun game anytime because it is always fun. Um, and it still has that risk reward where, like, you know, you can roll the dice to move, and if you're not happy with it, you can re-roll it. But if you roll any of those dice as a one, your opponent moves it instead. So mm -hmm. it still has those kind of crazy rules, which is so much fun. But you can't do that in a tournament and expect to actually win. This guy's <laughs> the boss. AOS Pete, the boss. He's going to run a triple doom wheel list. That is my type Good of army. <laughs> I want to run. I want to run an all steam tank list versus an all doom wheel list. Like that to me is like the holy grail. Yeah, that'd be fun. That's interesting question. I want to pull up from the chat before we kind of wrap this up, and it's an interesting one because it's coming from your people. It's coming from a Skaven person, and it came from Vermin Lord Warbringer saying, "What would be the best uh, beast to beat Skaven? Uh, what type of army would would be our best to beat Skaven?" I assume is what what. Um, yeah, I'll blame right. auto correct. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, uh, Vermin Lord Warbringer. Are you looking to switch allegiances? Um, <laughs> who, who, who's your biggest bugbear? Who, who do you fear the most as a Skaven player when you're at a tournament? Yeah, so there's a couple of really bad matchups for I mean, it depends on the list because I mean, with the caveat of you can build Skaven towards almost anything. Right, so you can build a, a like a, a shooting Skaven list. You can build a purely melee Skaven list. You can build a magic Skaven list. For my Skaven list, which is um, you know the, the plague monks as your your melee beat sticks, uh, acolytes as your shooting. Um, the biggest, I guess, threat I've seen in tournaments is usually like the the type of armies that can put out a lot of damage and do multiple rounds of attacks. So, for example, um, you know, your Lords of the Lodge. I was literally can... about to say Fire Slayers, like Fire Slayers yeah. with the double piling in. Yeah. So it's that ability, like, and, and the problem, I guess, from my perspective, and not a problem with their army, but the, the challenge I face as a Skaven player is that something with the damage output of, you know, 40 Hearthguard can get through a screen step forward three inches and hit something valuable. And that applies to, you know, obviously, Lords of the Lodge. It applies to Terragice in Grisogor. It applies to Archaeon in the current Reapers of Vengeance um, build. Any of those ones where, you know, you've got either a big monster or a lot of units that are going to put out a lot of damage, get through your screens, and before I get to counter, go through the next lot as well. Mm. I mean, I've, I've had a game against Corey... Uh, Ford in um, Bendigo, yeah. where he took um, Archaeon, a Lord on Karkadrak, and Baron Guard. And I literally, at the start of my first turn, had my Screaming Bell, my Furnace, my Arch Warlock, and two units of Acolytes left. 
and that does that list the one with the 40 plague monks the 40 plague monks the 40 clan rat the he went through like 90 percent of my army in turn one what about some of the current you know top tier meta armies you know you've got lumineth for example i know in the uk they're building a lot of you know shooting lumineth you know fishing for those mortal wounds or you mentioned earlier about um the the um Cathala, the the model yeah. that make you know can basically debuff you based on your bravery or even Bellacore, Bellacore uh messing with you a little bit. How do you find those those types of armies or you know the you know, So Bellacore can be a pain in terms of um doing doing the killing. I, I find I've I've yet to see someone I've played Bellacore a couple of times. I'm yet to see someone use Bellacore to stop me screening. So for example, they're never gonna put it on my 40 clan rats. But my 40 clan rats is what gives me the opportunity to hold objectives and all that kind of stuff. And you don't have a lot of flying, so you can't you can't get if I block up if you if you use the Bellacore ability to on a five plus, you've got to, you know, that allows you to move them. Uh, that could you've screw got up my flying. entire plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean you've still got gnaw holes and stuff, but it, it just means that you are severely limited. But I've never seen anyone use Bellacore that way, which would be smart. But at the same time, it's also smart to do things like, I see you've buffed up this unit of um, plague monks, make them roll a five before they do anything. Um, but anyway, it's, it's also one of those things where Bellacore has to do it at the start of the battle. So they don't know what I'm gonna do until I do it. And they're much safer putting it onto plague monks. And you've got two units of plague monks. So if, 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 I, if I put Bellacore's ability on plague monk unit A, You've still got plague monk unit B, so yeah. it does give you some abilities. But I guess um, uh, I Lumineth guess is a different issue. Uh, I don't find them as bad uh, again because their shooting output isn't enough to go through my wounds. I mean, sure, they they can pick off my acolytes at the back of the board. That's all right. They're not going to out hold me on objectives, mm-hmm. and they're going to take turns after turn. You know, clear it. Like especially if they're going to attack my you know acolytes and plague monks. I've got clan rats holding objectives the whole time. And if they want to take out the clan rats, I'll just put, you know, my killer units on objectives instead and win. So I don't find that an issue. A retreat and charge will be perfect while they're in formation, while they're kind of marching up the board slowly. You can really manipulate the board and force them to break their their unit cohesion or uh, you're just going to wrap around them. And if they happen to have a tech list behind them or, you know, get to those swishy heroes or behind the lines... Yeah, you can out. I think that to me is where Skaven really. This game is dominated by movement. Anytime you can be, you can be fast. Whether it's, uh, you know, things like Sky High with KO, the tunneling, the teleporting, or just super fast armies. And Skaven with the retreat and charge, and generally being fast armies, you've got a lot of those movement tools that makes it uh, very, yeah. very challenging for other armies who are more slow and don't have the army, the, the teleports and things like yeah. that. And you can really negate the Cathalar just by keeping within your 13-inch bubbles. It's like, you know, she can, she can take, you know, um, you know, one of their units' uh, Battleshock numbers and add it to mine. If I'm not taking Battleshock, I don't care. Um, so that kind of stuff can be really good. And you're not, you're, not, you're not that reliant on magic. Like, it's not like you have six no. spells to cast. You know, you don't have an endless spell that you must get off, like Soul Screen Bridge, right? So um, with these supercasters, you're not... I mean, if there's a supercaster, yeah, it's going to be hard. But you know, getting off more more war power is nice, but not necessarily the the crux of your strategy. No. Well, well, what you do is you play a different game. 
if you can't kill stuff with your with your scryer acolytes, you use them to hold objectives and force them to kill them before they can hold that objective back. Um, it's, it's not always about killing everything um, for escaping players. Half the time it's just surviving long enough to hold the points. Awesome. We've got someone painting a screaming bell as we speak. So uh, shout out, <laughs> shout out to, to right. people. I think it's, it, look, They're a fantastic escaping. model. They are. They're a lovely model. They're so fun. Someone's actually one of my one of my mates has just given me a whole bunch of the spare parts, and there's just some cool pieces. And yeah. uh, uh, I've actually one of my mega gargants is uh, throwing uh, the gate breaker. Has got the actual uh, plague furnace. Oh, the furnace. Yeah, and yeah. That, like he's swinging that as opposed to That's you know awesome. swinging a big. So they they're wonderful models, and I love. I'm actually falling in love with um, warp fire green. I just oh, that contrast so is just so good. So. Yeah. This has been good, man. I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything yeah, that you've fun. kind of picked up and learnt along the way that maybe a new Skaven player might what need to know about? I think for me, if I if I kind of you know give my my thing that I keep talking about, and I think it's probably more more popular in Skaven than ever before, is retreat, 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 retreat. People think they should just fight out combats, and often retreating is the best option and Skaven rewards you for treating because uh, you can still charge, you can still bubble wrap, you can still go into a better position, you can still go for objectives. So for me, remember that, that retreating is an option. Yeah, totally. It's, it's a strong, it's a, one of the biggest, I guess, strengths of the battle tome. Um, I guess looking back at, I guess, my my progression through, through Skaven to where I am now, it would probably be to... Um, to look for that reliability, which, whichever kind of method you go for, look for reliability because the book's full of fun stuff and a lot of it's not reliable. Um, so you'll find, for example, competitive lists, your hammer, like your, your unit that does the killing is either Plague Monks or Storm Vermin um, yes. because they are the reliable damage output. The halberds, right? They're the halberd guys. Yeah. So like, and, and it was a learning point. It was like, you see all this cool stuff in the book. It's like, well, why don't I just, you know, why don't I use the, the claw Lords to buff my clan rats and they can be strong. And it's like, you test it out and you realize that the amount you're putting into them isn't worth it. So go through it, play games. Um, you'll find um, there is only a few builds for certain roles, yeah. but those builds are good and there's variety within them. So yeah, build build the slight version that you want. Don't limit yourself to one one of the sub factions. Take the whole thing. Uh, I know Dan Brewer has always like he's always screaming at me about not using movement trace, and I think he yeah. he has been a big advocate of, especially with Skaven. You know, you're running a block of forty clan rats. Uh, yes, it's easier to put them on movement trace, but with the retreating and charging, and just the way that you can kind of manipulate the board. By playing without movement trays, you can really create some inter interesting shapes. You can, you know, tag tag opponents. You can uh, deny parts of the board a whole lot easier. And the way that you look at your army uh, is different than just moving up these regiments of, you know, models back to back. And again, your clan rats are not there to do damage. You're not trying to maximize how many models are in combat um because they're not going to do a lot it's it's more about board control board manipulation being within range of buffs denying yeah. people from getting to your home objectives or your juicy stuff like your plague monks and your acolytes yeah I've, I've watched a couple of um interviews and talks by dan and and that was the one thing that i guess i took from it very early on and it has been a really good lesson is yeah just forget movement trades for skaven um and and that applies to everything like you know 
you get charged with your clan rats, you don't have to pile in, just stand there and hit with the three that are in combat. Because in the end, like, they're there for the bubble and to stop other things from hitting them. So the moment you kind of close in, you suddenly got two holes on either side for other things to get in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that, the, the longer you can keep the your opponent away from your juicy stuff, your, uh, your Gracier, your Acolytes, your Gisales, yeah. your, you know, your various buff pieces like your, your War... Um, your arch warlock or your bombardier or whatever you take right um yeah i love it i love it yeah just because you can doesn't mean you should and i think um i think it's a yeah. really good call yeah absolutely and, and like i said it's a matter of you, you'll be standing there looking at the board going right what's the best outcome for me now because last turn is different <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's 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 the thing that's like skaven is really like chess it's like a thinking person's game and yeah uh adapting to your strategy and as i said like always think about you know should i retreat from this combat uh but again you know rose list by the way guys is not the holy grail of lists there is no one list that rules them all if you love your Gisales, bring Gisales into the list you love your arch bombardier your bombardier bring your bombardier you want to bring thankful in you want to bring in three vermin lords you want to get a claw lord in you want to run a whole bunch of uh giant rats Whatever that list might be, your Doom Wheels, you know, do you do you. Uh, this is a list that you've kind of worked. I think the key is, you know, how you've taken the rules and built a competitive list and I think showing off not to spread your force out over the different clans but rather really hone in and find the key synergies. And it's okay to be more than just – you don't have to go all in on Eshin or all in on Scryer, you, but but really do think about the not stretching yourself too much and – thinking about who gets the buffs and how they apply on the table. Absolutely. It's um it's it's a it's a bit of a finesse army and you need to kind of yeah, you need to have balance and that balance has to then be matched in your playstyle. So it's something that you probably have to build individually, like you said. Like you're not going to be able to just pick up a list and go, I can play this. Yeah, that and Nighthorn feel like the they they're very finesse armies. It's just that Nighthorn mm. is more forgiving with the uh with the ignoring rend and the six up deathless save yeah. so uh very finesse armies but ro this has been awesome man uh, i've learned so Thanks. much having a chat kind of looking at lists seeing how you're building your lists again season for taste bringing your types of, of models that you love but ro is anyone that you want to shout out clearly your crew's been in the chat for a while yeah now. i better i better say hi to to the entire measured team um but particularly the the dudes in um Kyneton who we play a lot of games locally with they're all good guys except i'm obviously going to read this chat a bit later and want to take all of that back um, but, um no no the, the whole to, to me the whole aos community as a whole like i've been to I, I don't go to a lot of tournaments but the ones i do go to i'm i'm always meeting really good people like really friendly sociable like I know from from outside of our community, there's like there's occasionally the stigma of oh you're a bunch of like closet nerds you don't talk to people and blah blah blah. There's a lot of really kind of interesting, you know, social, brilliant, brilliant human beings in this community. And yeah, the more the more people like that that I meet, like the more I love this game. Um, and I've got to say, Ro, uh, I'm coming to your neck of the woods in less than three weeks from now, and I think. <laughs> Uh, some people have my my name as a target, so you have to protect me from Pat. You have to protect me from uh, who else? Corey. You have to protect me from Joel. You're gonna have to protect me from Pat. 
Um, there's a you whole bunch. Of everyone in measured, yeah. Measured <laughs> crew, I think I'm gonna have to watch it. You're gonna really protect me. But if guys, if I don't come back in four weeks' time, the content stops. You know that measured has captured me. But uh, measured do have a really cool uh, battle report channel. It is. Uh, I would not play it at work, guys. Uh, go check it out if you, <laughs> it's not suitable for work. Their language is a bit rough. Uh, but uh, they're usually right, about twelve beers in too. Yeah, they're a bit ginger. <laughs> that row, this has been an absolute pleasure. The list, by the way, guys, are down below. So in the episode description, you know, we can continue the conversation on Discord. Uh, the lists, both of the lists are there. So if you want to check them out and kind of see what they were, uh, please do check them out. But Ro, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, thank you so fun. much. And I will see you in a few weeks. Yeah, cool. See you then. All right. See you guys. I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up. And if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS coach Patreons and YouTube members. So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you want to know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with the link to the Discord server, so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.